0: faith like a mustard seed man took and put it in his garden it grew and became a large tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches if you have that much faith you can't see it because it's stuck between my fingers it's that much faith I want you to look at that seed every time you question if you have enough faith in your life or inside of you that's all it takes is a small bit it doesn't take much now, not faith in you. Faith in God and what God can do. Jesus could do little in His home country. In Matthew 13, we hear about that, where Jesus is um, trying to teach in the synagogue and then do some healings, but they, they're kind of resistant to Him. And so in verse uh, 57, He says, they were offended at Him, at Jesus. And they said, why? Because this man is from Mary, the carpenter's son. His brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters are here. So this man shouldn't be having this knowledge or this healing power. And Jesus says to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. Now the very next verse. He did not do many mighty works there, Because of their unbelief. That word unbelief is little faith. Mm -hmm. Smaller than that, faith. (laughs) They didn't believe that Jesus is who he said he was, in other words. Can you believe Jesus is limited by lack of faith in him? He can't go where he's not welcomed by faith to do the work. In Luke chapter 13, our verses for today, it talks about the birds of the air nesting in the mustard seed's branches when it becomes a tree. This text is nestled, if you will, in between the healing of a sab- on the Sabbath of a woman who had an infirmity for 18 years and before the parable of the leavened bread where a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, is what he says. And then... He talks about narrow is the way, and uh, straight, and few find it. And this verse is nestled in between those. That context there, and I want to share with you why that's important. This woman comes up for healing on the Sabbath in the temple. She's not really asking for it, she's just had an infirmity for 18 years. And Jesus asks her to come forward, and the people who are leading the temple are watching to see what Jesus is going to do. And they're angry because Jesus starts healing people on the Sabbath. They don't like it. And uh, he uh, says this. Think of it. What would honor God more? This woman who is the daughter of Abraham being healed on his holy day, who's had this infirmity for 18 years, what would give God more glory than on his day to see her healed? Think about that, he said. And then he asked her to... Stretch out her hand and she was healed. Or, or her infirmity was healed, it wasn't her hand, it was her back. And uh, when she was healed, they got mad. And they said, there are six other days which you can come and be healed. Come on those days and be healed, but let the Sabbath not be a day of work. Now, here are people who have just seen a miracle take place and discrediting that it happened because it happened on the Sabbath. Now, I want to ask you a question. Would you, had you seen that miracle gone, why didn't you do it another day? Or would you go, praise God. God is here. Who else needs the healing? Mm -hmm. They were so strict in their rules and regulations, they couldn't see the God behind them. The heart of God was blinded to them. And they were blind to the heart and will of God so they they could not heal her and here's the funny thing they thought Jesus did it he's a faith healer he did it Jesus didn't do that the Heavenly Father did it Jesus can do nothing without the Heavenly Father even says so on many occasions so there she is healed and then the parable of the leaven is right after that. It says, a little leaven leavens the whole and That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Put a little yeast in a bread, the whole thing becomes all the yeast. It divides, it multiplies, it separates, and, and makes more and more and more. The thing that I share this with you is because the kingdom of heaven is something that you cannot understand how it moves and grows and changes. But once it starts its work, it begins to be contagious. It becomes effective when it works through everything that it's trying to work through. When Jesus, and this is what that verse, passage and the one with the woman, this, he says, and if you have faith like this, say to a mountain, and be cast into the sea, it's like a mustard seed coming to a tree and the birds nest in its branches. Now Jesus is going to tell us in another passage About the mountain being cast into the sea with just a grain of mustard seed faith. But I gotta ask you a question what kind of faith do these people have? If they thought that healing had to happen on every day but the Sabbath and God was limited, what did they believe about God? What did they think was true? That God was bound by rules and regulations? That God was limited by the laws that He created? He made them for us, not for Himself. He rested on that day, but to find joy on that day and restoration. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. But they were still having trouble. And so when we talk about straight as the gate and narrow the way, which is also in that passage, very few people find it. It's because they're trying to make God fit in a box. God is not in a box. He does not fit your understanding of Him. He is bigger than that. And we can't fathom the, the, the immensity and the enormity of God and His wisdom and all His ability. In Matthew chapter 17, it says, Faith, the size of mustard seed, can move a mountain. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now, i got to tell you something. When I read that passage, I was a young guy. And I thought, well, I've got faith. So I walked up to this big hill out near our home. And I told it, I want you to move over here. So move over here. To this day, that hill is still in the same place where it was when I asked it to. So it created a question inside of me. Did Jesus really mean what He said? Or was He saying something else? Or was I hearing it wrong? I got no answers. I lost confidence in faith and it created a whole bunch of questions and uncertainty. Would you say today that if you walked outside and said to the the hill over here or the building over there, get up and move over here, do you believe it would happen because you said so? Well, it didn't happen because I said so either. Listen, because I said so is the only thing that worked for my mother, but it doesn't work for me in mountains. That's what she used to say. Why do I got to do that? Because I said so. Y'all didn't have a mother like that, did you? Well, I will say this. That a mountain does not have to listen to me. Nothing has to listen to me. I am not the mountain mover. I can say it all I want. And believe it by me saying it, it's going to happen. But do you know, that is ridiculous thinking. But this is how we think when we come to the Scripture and say, well, it says if I say this... You will say, move and it will move. It says, Jesus said it, Jesus said it. Therefore, if it doesn't do it, I must not have faith. That's how I saw it. That I didn't have faith. I was wrong. I want to know what kind of faith Jesus is talking about. That's what I want to know. What kind of faith is it that moves mountains? And what do we have to have faith in? And if we speak to a mountain, what do we need to believe for it to obey? Hmm. Do you believe it will listen to you? And what if the mountains don't move when you do speak? Or the sickness doesn't get healed? Or the broken heart doesn't mend? What does that tell you about your faith? Does it say you're disobedient? I've heard a lot of preachers on TV and other words say, Well it didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> you didn't believe. You had doubt. Mm-hmm. Does it say we need a lot of faith, or does it say we need pick it up? It's really small. This much. Do you have this much? It's enough faith. It's not about faith. You understand? It's not about faith. How much? Maybe the mountain doesn't believe. You know, it's because of the mountain's unbelief that it's not moving and it's not listening to me. Maybe I don't speak mountain. Maybe I'm speaking the wrong language when I tell a building, get up and move over here. You know, if I could do that, I could have my office cleaned in four seconds. Straighten up all of us and get everything going in the right place. You know what that would do? That would make me lazy. <laughs> it would also make me pervert the true meaning of faith and God. Faith is not an ATM to get what you want. Neither is God. What makes a faith that moves mountains into a reality? What are we missing when we take it at face value? Well, first of all, to answer that, let's establish some basics of faith this morning. And I think we can agree on this first one. If not, I'll reword it so you agree. Faith is not about you. Do you agree? Faith isn't about you. Just simple as that. It's a basic tenet of the faith it's not something you try and see if it works I tried it on the mountains and hills and tried it on my sister even I didn't tell you all that Lord make my sister not so noisy I believe you can do it didn't work she didn't have enough faith that's what I thought You know, I always try to use it in the wrong place. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. Do you understand? Faith is about God. And the thing that you have to know about faith also is you have to have confidence in what you believe in, but not in your ability. Faith must have confidence, but not confidence in your ability. I can move a mountain one shovel full at a time. It's going to take me years. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, is it? Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In Matthew 8, 26, Mm -hmm. the disciples are in the boat. Storm raises up. A bad storm. Almost to be capsized with the boisterous waves and the wind blowing. And Jesus is asleep. Asleep in the midst of the worst storm they could imagine. And they're rolling like crazy and it's getting worse. And they see Jesus isn't helping, so they wake Him up. Do you remember the story? They wake Him up and say, Don't you care that we're all going to die here? And Jesus looks around in verse 26. Got it on the screen for you. He said, Why are you fearful, you of little faith? Then He woke up and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. Now, why would He say, why are you fearful, you of little faith, unless Jesus knew what they were fearful of and what their faith was not consisting of? Okay. Panic mode. Not so much about, hey God, do something. It's, you know, we're going to die. And Jesus has clearly told them that they will be with Him and that He will minister through them and that that ministry will continue and that He is the Son of God. Yet here they are thinking that what Jesus said, although they believe it was from God, has no bearing on reality. Yes, God said it and I believe it, but the storm doesn't settle it. My life is falling apart, God. God. And you said you would deliver me and bring me into your kingdom, and, and now you you know this storm is just saying you can't do it. Hear me. The storm can't pervert God's plans. But they thought it could because they've seen similar. They just don't know who God is or what He can do in those situations. A lot of people say, you need to pray in the midst of the storm and tell God about the size of your storm. I've heard it said the other way. You need to tell the storm the size of your God. Sometimes we forget that He's a ruler of the wind and the waves. And these disciples did not understand God and Jesus the way we, looking back, can. However... When we look back at it, doesn't help us when everything's falling apart around us. There has to be something that says, God is bigger than this, and I am putting my confidence in what He's going to do. Another storm. another day. But Jesus isn't with them in the boat. It's a bad storm. And Jesus comes walking along the water and they're all thinking it's a ghost. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. Sure. You're walking on the water. Okay, sure. Well, listen to this. This is after Jesus has calmed the wind and the waves a few chapters before it in Matthew. So here's the storm. And Peter gets a little bold. I love this. You get this story and you'll see why it's so important. He gets a little bold and says, Lord, if it's You, tell me to come out in the water and the wind and the waves to you, and I'll come. And Jesus says, It's me. Come on, Peter. How many times do you need to hear God say, Come on. It's me, really. I am calling you to this. I really am. And we still question our ability and whether it's God or not. But I promise you, you're not going to call yourself to something you don't want to do for God. God's going to call you to do something you don't want to do for God. You won't do that. Yeah, God, I think I want to go to China and be a missionary. No, I don't. God, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to call myself to do that. But if God calls you to do it, you're going to go, well, that's God or not. Why? Because we think God's going to ask us to do things we don't want to do without giving us the desire to do them. So, Peter walks on the water thought Jesus was the only one. He did too. He walks out to Him. And then Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the calamity around him. In confidence, he's walking on the water. He's already doing the deed. He's already on faith, walking on water, and he looks around and goes, this shouldn't be happening. I can't... I can't do this. And he begins to sink. And so, there it is on the screen for you. What does Jesus say to him? He grabs him by the hand. And in verse uh, 31 of Matthew 14, he says to him this. Let me pull it up for you. I think you'll like this. And immediately Jesus stretches out his hand and catches Peter and he says to him, You have little faith. There's that little faith again. Why did you doubt? Doubt what? Doubt that he could do it? No! No! Jesus called him to it, and that's when he doubted that Jesus could really help him do it. He doubted his ability to Christ. When he took his eyes off into what it called him to the world around, you always saw it to slip. I don't have enough faith to do this. Well, you're looking at that instead of God. Why do we do that? Because we've learned to distrust our own capabilities and not to trust God's. That's what happens. A little later in the book of Matthew, Jesus is fed 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread and 5,000 with a few fewer loaves of bread. And it just so happens that there were leftovers from those few loaves of bread. Well, the disciples get on the boat with Jesus. strange how all these things happen on a boat, but it seems that way. And they forgot to purchase bread for their meal. And so they're worried because Jesus is talking about being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're going, He's really talking about us forgetting the bread. (laughs) We don't have enough bread. We don't have enough bread to feed everybody. Seven loaves wasn't enough to feed everybody, let alone five. It wasn't enough loaves to feed everybody. Of course not. But do you need to have a lot of loaves for Jesus to feed a multitude? So Jesus looks at them in Matthew 16 and says the following. Why do you guys keep doing this to me? <laughs> that's what I, that's not what he says, but I almost want to hear him go, oh my gosh, guys, can't you get this? But in, in 16 verses 8 uh, through 10, we find the rest of the story. Jesus being aware of it, he said to them, You have little faith. Little no faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you brought no bread? Little faith. There it is again. Why is he saying because they brought no bread and they're afraid that they didn't have enough bread, that there's no faith there? It's because they failed. They're looking at their failure and not God's possibilities and God's power. They're still looking at themselves and thinking God is going to blame them for what they can't do. God's not going to blame you for what you can't do. He's not going to blame you for what you don't do. He's going to say, "Trust in me, and I will raise you up to the next level of life in faith." Amen. So, in the next verse, he says, and he, and he, he reasons this out with them. Don't you understand? It's, it's not really what he said. He said, "You guys are a bunch of knuckleheads." What he said, <laughs> "Guys are hard headed, little. You know, you just can't get it through your head. You're like talking to Mister Potato Head or something." Don't you remember, or don't you understand, or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Mm -hmm. Don't you remember, guys? Or the next verse the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? That's what he's asking them. Don't you see? You don't need to have enough bread, you can forget the bread. I am the bread. Do you not know me yet? Do you think it was just limited to land and not on the boat? What is your deal, guys? You don't have faith. And it isn't faith in the bread. It's faith in the one who's sitting there with you who belongs to the Father, who calmed the seas, fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000, had Peter walk on the water, and they still don't get it. It's almost like he wants to go, wake up! Mm -hmm. I'm afraid, though, if he was going to start doing that, I would have been shook to death by now. (laughs) A lot of times. Frustrated. In Matthew chapter 6, before all this happens, he's on the Sermon on the Mount. This is great. He's talking to those who are anxious and worried about what to eat. with with clothing or shelter. And he begins to talk about the birds and the grass and the flowers of the field and the sparrows. And he says, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow stone in the oven, will He not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. There it is again. Therefore, do not worry, asking, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The disciples are asking these questions. What shall we eat in the boat about the bread? They're still not getting the Sermon on the Mount yet. Yet, here they are, have written it down later. All these things the Gentiles seek. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. Mm -hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness and all that stuff will happen. He will take care of it. Luke, the same story, he says, for it is your father's good pleasure. As a matter of fact, he says, don't you know, don't you know it's your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom? He wants to do this for you. Faith begins to see that God wants to help. He wants to provide. He desires that. Next thing about faith you need to know is faith does not question what God can do. Yes, you have to have confidence, but not in your ability, but it also does not question what God can do. Now, when we pray, we sometimes say it like this. God, I know you can move the mountains and you parted the seas, but if you can do this for me. It's not a question of if he can. He can. And faith knows it. Now, here's how I understand this. And this is what really brought this into reality for me. Moses. Moses had a lot of conversations with God so much so that His face glowed brighter than the sun. I mean, He was rightful of God's glory there, that presence. And He knew what God could do. He didn't question whether God was the God of the universe or whether God could provide. He didn't go out there going, God, if You're real and You're really out there, will You answer my prayer? He didn't do that. He knew God was who He said He was because He was face-to-face intimate. He had intimacy with God that made him able to speak and great things happened. And it looked like to the Israelites and those looking back that Moses did it. He seemed to. But the only thing Moses did was know God, trust Him, and act on God's truth. That's what he did. It was the same for Apostle Paul and Jesus. They saw Jesus, well, Paul saw Jesus face to face and Jesus knew his Father intimately. When you know who God is, when you're intimate with God, your faith gets into the proper perspective. It's not faith in things, but faith in God. Now, I have to tell you, this is called the faith of Christ. Not faith in Christ. Faith of Christ. And that one preposition changes everything. Well, I, I believe in Jesus, but do you believe as Jesus believed? Do you have the faith that He had in His Father? Do you have the faith of Christ? Do you understand? I'm little bitty compared to a mountain, but mountains are quite small to God. Not faith that does it. It is the one who our faith is in that does the work. I can't move the mountain. I'm too little. I have physically limitation. But my Heavenly Father made that mountain. And He put it there. And if He put it there, He can put it elsewhere. And if I don't know that, how am I going to ask Him to do it? And if I don't know that He's able to put the stars in the heavens and slow down time and turn the sun 10 degrees back on the sundial like He did for a king, mm-hmm. how do I know that kind of God would even do anything I'd ask? Do you think I'm speaking to the mountain really? Or do you think I'm talking out of a relationship with my Heavenly Father that says, Heavenly Father, this mountain is in the way of Your kingdom's work. Would You move this mountain over here at the authority You give Me In your name, Mm -hmm. He does the work. But you have to believe He can. And the work that He wants to do. And how well you know Him will determine your faith's ability. It's not about an amount of faith, it's how well you know your Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. How intimately connected you are with His heart and the last thing about faith is it grows as your intimacy with God grows mm-hmm. I met Jesus Christ for the first time really when I was 15 I, I didn't know really who he was until he found me I thought I did but that moment I understood that He really did love me. And I didn't have to fear tomorrow. And I wanted to know Him. And there are periods in my life where I've gone so close where there's nothing else I want to do but spend time with Him. And hunger and thirst for that relationship. And, And nothing but that. And then to love others out of that while still maintaining that relationship as I do so. That kind of closeness, I love when that happens. That hunger that creates more desire for God. That kind of relationship can say, I know who Jesus is. He's right with me. We talk all the time. And He's my friend. And I'm His friend. As Abraham was quoted as being a friend of God. And Abraham was a man of faith who believed God... a growing faith will accomplish the works of God you'll be seeking ways to advance God's kingdom that it will come on earth as it is in heaven his will be done his kingdom come and you'll be willing and welcome to find your place as a seed grown into a tree Where Jesus said, All the birds of the air will find shelter in its branches and shade and a home. I don't know if you understand the whole implication of that, but here's how I kind of break it down for myself. A little seed has nothing compared to the work of God, but that seed. That little bit. Do you have that much, that little bit that you've been given today? Do you have that little bit Then you have to put it in the soil of your relationship with God? Kind of like a muscle that grows. Mm -hmm. It has to be invested in. And loved. And that seed is the relationship that you have with God born by faith. You don't need a lot of it. You just need to put it into use. To love it. And it's not like, I'm going to put my seed in the ground water it. It's not what we mean. <laughs> it means that I have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ has opened the door for me to. And I'm going to live that relationship without. And mm-hmm. all I do is seek God's purpose and presence in the world around me. I'm seeking God in all I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I know God can transform any situation by just a single word. As a matter of fact, when He created the world, He said, let there be light. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, let there be light. Mm-hmm. He said, Light. God changes everything. Changes darkness to light. All the darkness in the world cannot hide the light of one small candle. You are the candle burning. saying God is who He said He is. He will do what He said He will do and I believe that. I'm investing all I am in all He is. you ain't going to start with much, do you? Do you have that much to invest in God? Do you? I can believe that much in God. And if you can, you have enough belief to change the world. And that's a good thing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, sometimes we question, do I have enough belief? Do I have the right kind of faith? Heavenly Father, you didn't say kinds of faith. You said faith. But it's faith in you. The same faith that Jesus Christ had in you. Knowing that you're real, that you are who you say you are, and you will always be who you say you are. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for loving us today. Thank you for your Son. And this morning, Heavenly Father, may we draw near to you and as we do, you will draw near to us. We resist the devil. The word says he will flee from us. And when we do so, Heavenly Father, you will lift us up and solve us and make our lives have significance for your kingdom. And Heavenly Father, that means you're doing kingdom work through us. We are incapable of it. But with you in us and through us, we are capable of all things. in Christ. Thank you for that, Crumbs. And this morning, may we embrace it with all we are. Amen. As we get ready to, for the closing song.